Hey there, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Fat Guy Forum. This is your host, Gormy, and I am always excited to have you listening. Uh, it, am I as excited this week as I normally am? I'm a little weaker than normal because I'm, I'm about 24 hours into a fast that I, I've been foolishly convinced to do this weekend. Uh, but I'm going to do my best to power through and bring you another awesome episode of the show with me today, I, I've got a dude who's been through quite the journey so far and has quite the journey ahead of him. And we, we've actually got a lot of touch points on in our stories where we're going to I think we're going to have a lot to relate on. So I'm just really excited to, to bring you today. Uh, my guest, his name is Rob. See, now, Rob, I'm going to screw this up. Gyrie, right? Did I you get got that it. right? OK, Rob Gyrie. And Rob, I, I'm going to turn it over to you, man, and just say what? qualifies you to be on the fat guy forum all right well first things first Gourmet, thanks for having me on here i really appreciate it i'm not fasting today so i'll make sure i uh, make up for that and, and bring the energy for the show um like you said i've had quite the um the journey in uh in weight loss and weight gain and uh and weight loss again going through that entire process um uh, in 2014, um, I went on NBC's Biggest Loser. Um, I was a finalist on season 16, lost 250 pounds, uh, started at 5, 508, and got down to about 254 in about an eight-month eight period of time, and uh, was feeling really good, really happy with uh, with the success I was having, really happy with the weight loss, and then came back home, and slowly but steadily the weight kept um, creeping back on, and um, month after month got more and more until I surpassed my highest weight um, and ended up at uh, 521 pounds. Um, in December of 2018, uh, my girlfriend and I decided to um, get back on track for for our own health. And, um, since then I've lost 70 pounds over the last 13 months, taking a much more, um, slow, but steady approach to it. Something, uh, I'm trying to create a, a lifestyle that's more sustainable, um, than what I did on the television show and, uh, and find success through the journey. So that's been a, a big part of my process. So that that right there is, you know, we, just going through the past five years of your life, man, is is pretty wild. And uh, there's a lot there for us to dive into. But I I want to start back further because, like you, you know, you you went on the, you went on the Biggest Loser, which yeah, I think everyone listening out there knows, you know, what the Biggest Loser is. You know, has probably seen the show if not heard about it, and also knows that it's coming back. Um, you you were over 500 pounds, and what was what was your life like, you know, that brought you to there? Like, were you a big kid? Do you, you know, how would you describe your relationship with food? Like, talk, talk to us a little bit about what, what brings someone to find the scale saying 508 pounds. Yeah, you know, so it was, it was kind of, um, in, as, as odd as this may sound, it kind of snuck up on me, um, to tell you the truth. I was always a big kid, uh, but I was, I was very used to being big. Um, both my parents are overweight. Um, I'm six foot five, so I, even though I, I have a, a high number on the scale, I always carried it pretty well. Um, I always played sports. I didn't let my weight stop me from doing anything. 
Um, I didn't play sports well, um, but I was on the teams. Uh, <laughs> I was on the teams. Um, but no, throughout high school, I mean, um, I graduated high school um, at 360 pounds. Um, I played on the football team. Uh, I went to college. I always thought, like, playing football, I always thought that, like, if you want to go pro, you have to be big, right? Like, uh, they teach you, or they, you always hear the expression, like, can't teach size, right? So I I never saw, um, like, when you look on TV and you see these NFL offensive linemen at, like, 6'5", 330, I was like, okay, that's what, that's what I should be at if, if, if that's my goal in life, right? Um, they didn't, they didn't mention to me that they were 330 pounds and 8% body fat. Um, so we had, uh, we had little different approaches there. Um, but as a young kid, I never thought anything, I never thought anything of it. Um, I wanted to go on and play division one college football. Um, but I barely saw the field in high school. Um, I just wasn't athletic enough. Um, and so after I went to college, um, I played rugby in college, which was a lot of fun. Um, I ended up coaching rugby after college. I definitely have like that, um, athletic mindset. Um, even if I don't have the athletic body to match. Um, but then, uh, like I said, it just, it kind of crept up on me because it wasn't like, uh, it wasn't like overnight I weighed 500 pounds. It was yeah, every year I, I'd put on 25 pounds, you know, and every year it just kept adding up. And before you know it, it was my 25th birthday. Um, when I went and weighed myself, I, you, you can't find a scale that's over 350. So after you hit 350, you kind of just like stop weighing yourself. Um, so it was on my 25th birthday. I had just seen a movie and I was walking around the mall and I passed a, uh, a GNC that had one of those, um, like, uh, one of those electronic scales that like also tells your horoscope and stuff like that outside of GNC. Um, and it said like up to 500 pound capacity. So I was like, Oh, like, um, I can actually weigh myself. And I put the 50 cents in the machine and, um, the little certificate popped out and said I was at 500 507.8 pounds. And I was just like, Holy, Holy crap. When did, when did that happen? You know? Um, and then, uh, so I started working out, um, just on my own. Uh, and then about three months later, I got the call that I'd be on biggest loser. So it, it all happened very fast for me once I, uh, decided to make a change. Wow. So like, I, I think a lot of people listening could probably relate to that. Like you don't wake up overnight, you know, 400, 500 pounds. Like it is something that can be there gradually. And whether you go up and down yo-yo dieting or not, like it's, it's not like we wake, we go to bed 300 pounds that are like, you know, I took that shake tonight and tomorrow I'm going to see what the, the results are. Like, right. You know, it, it, it's that, and it's a part of your life. Like, it sounds like it really was like just this, this part of who you were. And so, you know, that, that 20 pounds coming on every year was never like something that stood out so much to the point that you were like, if I don't do something, I'm going to die immediately. Like it sounded like, sounded like more like it was just being big was a part of your life. Yeah, that, that really was, um, that really was, I kind of, in a way I embraced it as part of my personality. You know, everyone would call me Big Rob, 
you know, that that was my nickname, Big Rob. So, uh, so I was very used to always being the big guy. I never thought, I never, um, like, sure, when I was younger, I was picked on. But once I really, um, like, developed into my own, um, I was never picked on for my weight. Like, no one ever, um, like, really uh, gave me any grief about it. Like, people people embraced me. I was generally well-liked. Um, and and I liked myself. So I never really had um, an issue with, with my weight. It didn't affect my health. Um, like I said, the only way it really affected what the only way it really affected me was that um, I couldn't play sports as well as I wanted to. I still played. I just wasn't very good. Um, but once I saw that 500-pound uh, number, I was like, I, I'm going to die if I don't make a change. You know, it's not – It's not. I'm not just like the, the overweight kid anymore. Like, uh, I'm, I'm going to die. Uh, I just had a – at that time, I just had my uh, my first nephew. My brother had his first kid, and uh, and I knew if I wanted to be around, um, I had to make a change. So um, that was a huge uh, huge impetus towards me um, looking to make that change. And what led you? I I think a lot of uh, if if I don't start asking some of these questions, people out there are gonna you know say that I'm, I'm missing an opportunity. Like. What brought you to the audition process for The Biggest Loser, and and what was that like? Yeah, so I had always um, watched the show. You know, I think uh, I think most overweight people have seen an episode or two before. Um, there's a fascination behind um, other people losing weight and how they're doing it, and um, and like in in the back of your mind, you're like, oh, I wish I could lose weight as fast as these people. Um, so I'd always watched the show, um, and like I, my friends always told me, I always had people in my life saying like, oh, like you should, you should try out for it. You'd be so good on it. Like you should definitely do it. And I never wanted to, because I always growing up, I did like, um, a lot of high school theater and I thought about going to school for the arts. Um, and I ended up going for my, my business degree and then my master's degree, but um, but in the back of my head, I was always like, you know, if I get some free time, I'd love to try acting or, um, throw, you know, uh, try to get into that. But, you know, once you do a reality TV show, any thought of being, um, like a real or legitimate actor kind of goes out the window. So I never wanted to, um, audition for the show. Um, but then it got to the point where, you know, I was over 500 pounds and I wasn't going to have any career if I didn't make a change. You know, I really saw it as like, um, as I didn't think I'd make it past 30 if, if I didn't get this weight off me. Um, that, that was my fear. Um, so, so I knew it didn't matter like what my future career plans were or anything like that. Like I, I just knew I had to get healthy. Um, and I saw a, uh, an ad on uh, Facebook that they were having a open casting call out in Boston. Um, so I drove out to Boston and it was at a, uh, at a planet fitness, they were holding an open casting call and I couldn't believe the, uh, amount of people that were there. Um, it was actually like, in a way I felt very sad about it because there was like 800 morbidly obese people lined up outside of planet fitness, like 
turning to this show for hope, you know? And you could tell, like, like everyone on that line was just like, I don't know what to do. I need this show to help me. Like, please save my life. And you know only 12 people are getting picked, you know? And, like, going through that process was really sad for me because I, like, I, I never thought I'd get selected. I had no... Um, disillusions that I was anything special or any different from the person next to me in line. Um, it just so happened that that season they were casting for um, ex-athletes. So um, so that I think that gave me um, a boost was that I was a high school football player, college rugby player. I was currently a college rugby coach. Um, so I think that sort of helped me stand out among among the other people auditioning um but just the overwhelming um like uh thirst for hope at that audition really really kind of put it in perspective for me once I got on the show that I had to make the most of my opportunity because if if I wasn't doing anything right if I wanted to quit if I didn't want to do a workout there was yeah, you know, seven hundred and ninety nine other people in line who would kill for this opportunity. So it really motivated me once I was on the show to to give my best and uh, make sure I uh, represented for all those people who were uh, who didn't get picked out of Boston. Well, I think that's a great perspective because not only like you think about the seven hundred ninety nine people in Boston, there were dozens, I'm sure, casting calls across the country. Yeah, you know, that absolutely. Got, you know, that, that brought them down to 12 people for that season. And so, you know, you look at, so it's just, that is, because it's, it's you you have to know, obviously, people in the, in, especially in the weight loss and fitness sphere, we all have our different opinions on shows like Biggest Loser and, you know, extreme weight loss and like kind of different, different and, and different experiences interacting with people that have been on those shows. Um, and, but I think that's a really, I, I think your perspective there on what you saw when you went to the auditions is something that people don't think about because I think too often we think about, you know, oh, everyone going on that show is just looking to get famous or, you know, is, you know, like looking for that opportunity or the show is looking to exploit people or, you know, there's so many different things that people say. But I, I think that kernel that you brought out, you know, is that idea that there were those 800 people, you know, clearly you know, uh, I'm sure a fair percentage of them are in kind of life-threatening situations with their weight and their fitness, you know, looking for hope, looking for, for that, you know, that, that gleam that is going to show them that this might be possible. And yes, we know television, you know, is, is an artificially constructed medium, like even, even quote-unquote reality television is, you know, how many hours of footage, you know, is taken and then you actually see one, you know, one, one hour a week, two hours a week. So there's a whole, you know, artificiality to that that is, is constructed to create, you know, motivation and hope and experience. And, you know, I, I think, you know, when we think about it, like shows like I because I was actually talking with someone the other day about American Idol. And, you know, I, I was talking to my dad about it at dinner the other night and he was talking about he's like. Think about like the first couple of seasons of, of that show. Like there are there are people that come out of that show that we still know about, you know, Kelly Clarkson, you know, people along those lines. And then now, you know, you're you're 25 seasons deep when someone wins America's Got Talent or American Idol or one of those shows. Like, do they become a household name? Like, 
it's become, you know, like from where it was when it started to where it is now, you know, is almost like product, you know, like it's, it's there for the season and, you know, so I, I think like we get perspectives on, on these different experiences and, and the shows themselves shift and learn what they're putting out there. And I think Biggest Loser is one of those shows that I used to watch all the time. I, I think I did watch your season. I'm, I'm not a hundred percent conscious of if I did or not, if I did, I most likely watched it while I was eating. Um, same here, man. It, yeah, I like used that to was do always the same thing. That was always like the thing I would like. I, I think I even used to post on my Instagram like watching Biggest Loser eating a pizza. Um, yep. <laughs> and, and like it's it's like you've got so many people that that feel that way. Like I I'm just like, you know, I don't want to spend an hour, you know, kind of going into that experience for you because like you know it's clear that you know you did you did really well on the show. Like you went through a lot and you, you got to that, you got to that finalist position. Like, you know, I, I was even just Googling, you know, the past couple of days, getting ready to talk to you today and like seeing, you know, your way in pictures and, and all of those things. Like you, you kind of made a radical transformation in yourself. Uh, what was so, but I, what I think people is like, I, I know there are people listening to this show that are in that same place that you were probably in standing in line, wanting to get on that show. And, might have even tried to get on the new iteration of it. Like, t can you just bring us inside a little bit of what it was like for you as a contestant on the show? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, for me, the working out aspect of it and the eating right aspect of it, you get used to really quick. If that, if that sounds right, uh, or if that makes sense, um, you're, you're in a, they put you in a bubble essentially where you don't have really any choice but succeed or go home right um you have to lose the weight to stay on there um and you don't have any connection to the outside world so you don't have your phones you don't have a newspaper um you don't have internet access um so you're literally you're literally in this house in southern california uh it was on a beautiful state park so like plenty of space for hiking or um like just being outside there was a pool um but you're you're cut off so if you don't want to be bored you go for a walk right so you literally um you know you put in i would say most contestants on there put in at least eight hours a day in some sort of working out right whether that was walking or something more strenuous um you know that varied um, very intensity levels, but you were working out for most of the day. Um, the working out and the eating right that they buy all the groceries for you. Um, so there's no, uh, there's no like, um, treats in there. You're not going to find anything to cheat on. Um, the, the craziest thing you'll find is like, uh, a piece of cheese, you know? So it's not like, uh, it's not like you're really ingesting sugar anywhere. Um, you don't have uh, sodas or sports drinks or, you know, you're, you're just drinking water, um, maybe some iced tea sometimes. But um, so you, you don't really have any other um, resources or, or, uh, or recourses to, uh, to do poorly. So, you know, if you, if you want to stay there, you have to get out and exercise and eat right. And um, so that aspect came really easy for me. What didn't come really easy for me was the television side of it and um knowing that um like these like 
producers of the show have uh, their job is to put on to create entertainment, right? And create a a story arc for you and uh, sort of like craft you into the character that they want for that season, for that episode, for that show, right? And and while most of the story producers themselves are super nice people, um, you can't help but feel like, I, I mean, me personally, I guess I was naive, um, but I was a fan of the show coming in and I saw it as like a, a safe place where I would be like taken care of and encouraged. And, and while I did get all of that, I also got like these challenges where like me being a 500 pound guy running through a giant mud puddle, I just felt was embarrassing to me. Right. And that wasn't helping me lose weight. Um, I just felt like, okay, you're putting a fat guy in a bunch of mud so that a bunch of people can laugh at him back home, you know? And so there were certain aspects of the show that was like for TV that I felt like, how is this focused on me getting healthy? Right. Um, and those were the times where I felt like, okay, this is, this is a show and they need me to do certain things so that they can make their story or keep their show going or whatever that may be. So I wasn't crazy about that aspect of it. Um, but I loved the opportunity to like, just turn off everything else in my life. Like no bills, no drama. Um, like my sole focus for those six months I was out there was just working on me, working on my weight loss, working on getting healthy. Um, so that aspect was super rewarding and super great. And that's why I'm, I'm honestly getting like, like I mentioned, I'm, I'm I'm like 24 hours into a fast that includes social media right now. And I'm my anxiety because of it is through (laughs) the roof. So you talking about months of disconnection. I'm like, Oh, I don't, I feel like, you know, I would die, but I I think it makes complete sense. What you're saying also, though, you're in that isolated environment and you know that your continued success, you know, on your, in your weight loss is the only thing that's going to keep you in that environment and keep you going towards those other opportunities that come because of it. And then you're cut off from all of the, most of the distractions, whether those distractions were food or the internet or people and all of those things. So why not, you know, why not just go along with what you're being told to do, but also, you know, do, how many, how long can you just sit and stare, you know, like, you know, so let's, you know, go for a walk, go for a hike, you know, find other ways to kind of fill your time and also kind of keep yourself going. Like that's, that's, that's a pretty, you know, something I hadn't really even thought about, like what that environment would be like when you're completely outside of the rest of the world, like you said, in a bubble. Yeah. We had, um, I would say like we had a we had a really great cast. Um, we had a really great group of people there. So it was never it was never really boring in the house. Um you know, I got to meet um you know, Damian Woody was on my season. Uh he works for ESPN. He's a former Patriot New York Jet. Um and I, I'm a big Jets fan, so getting to meet him was really cool. Um Scott Mitchell, um was a NFL quarterback. Uh, got to meet him. Um, Lori is a gold medal softball player from the U.S. So there were so many like uh, cool people on my season. 
Um, my team was really cool. A lot of funny people. Uh, so it was never boring. You know, you never felt lonely in the house, even though you were cut off from like your friends and family outside of it. You can't help but form bonds with the other people going through the same thing you're going through there in the house with you. So it was really easy to make friends. We'd pass time. We'd play, <laughs> we'd play dominoes a lot. Um, I learned how to play dominoes on the ranch and uh, we'd play cards every once in a while. Um, so there were, there were ways to, uh, to pass the time. So you never felt like too bored or too lonely or anything. I'm uber curious about what was it like when, like those first couple of days when it gets started, like, I just think about like 12 people that were used to, you know, probably eating very differently now in this different environment. Like, were, you know, did the cranky just come out? Were the tempers there? Like, what was, oh, what was God, that like yeah. for people? Uh, so I think everybody responded a little differently. Um, I know, <laughs> I know, um, like, I have this infamous interaction with, with Dr. H. Um, on the show where I, I blew up and I was super, super angry and, um, it was like part, part being scared, uh, like, like really scared. Um, and part feeling like that was sort of the first moment I realized that like, oh, this is a TV show. Um, like, like they're, they're messing with me to get a good reaction for TV. Um, but then what I learned after the show was that I didn't realize that your fat holds hormones. And when you, um, when you burn fat, you're flooding your body with, with different hormones. Uh, so I could only imagine like you take a 500 pound guy and have him lose. I think I lost like 50 pounds in the first three weeks or something like that. Um, and you have him lose that much weight that fast. Um, cut his caloric intake from, I'm guessing I was probably around like 5,000 to 6,000 calories a day before the show, if I had to guess, um, and cutting that down to 2000, uh, yeah, you're going to have some cranky people. And, uh, I was definitely cranky. I think we all had, um, moments where, uh, we were a little hangry, um, but again, like you get, you get kind of, you get used to it after a while. You figure out like, okay, how can I still be full while, uh, meeting my, uh, my goal calorie intake. So you just, you just kind of figure it out how to replace the wanting for food with walks or exercise or cards or even chewing gum. Like chewing gum was a big thing for me whenever I had a craving or. I would just chew on gum. Um, so that was something that worked for me. That's, that's exactly kind of, <laughs> that's it. That, Cause that's exactly where my head went. Like you were talking about like the hormone issue, like, <clears throat> excuse me, thinking about, you know, rat, that kind of, especially like, I don't, I don't think sometimes we talk about like how, you know, when we make a radical change to our bodies, it can, it can make a radical change to our minds. Like everything is linked. No, I was just going to say, like, that stress level, even just, you know, taking aside, like, the, the excess hormone issue, like, the, putting yourself through that kind of stress just creates reactions. And then throw in the mix 
what's physiologically happening and you know what's hormonally happening and you can understand like yeah like that that sets up you know all i i think all the producers would need to do is you know poke the bear 100%. a little bit and probably get a reaction easily <laughs> you know there were they it, it, in the beginning there's they're not having to do anything that dramatic to get people to kind of like fly off the handle or have a breakdown or any of those like i and i think that's realistic like as much as you know I, i've i've talked to people who were like oh you walk you know, people sitting and crying after a workout and like, is that realistic? Like, I think about like, you know, my weight loss journey alone. Like I was, I didn't have cameras around me and other people and wasn't isolated. And I had those moments where I cried in the gym. Like, I, I think it's realistic, you know, that there's human emotion like that that happens yeah. to people. And then you put it in that environment where it's intensified and heightened. And of course it's going to come out. Yeah. I basically, so um, during the audition process, I, I, told uh one of the story producers that like um one of my one of my memories from when i was younger was seeing my uh my grandparents lived at the beach and uh seeing my grandmother um having to push uh my grandfather in his wheelchair through the sand to get to their house uh, my grandfather had uh three strokes before he passed and um and so i always like what i told the story producers that one of my biggest fears was that I was going to have to end up in a wheelchair and somebody was going to have to take care of me like that. Um, and so then, uh, like the first week on the ranch, uh, Dr. H calls me into his office and, um, and tells me to sit down in the wheelchair. And I was like, I, I know what you guys are going for here. I really like, like that's, I told you that story in confidence. Uh, like that's going to make me feel really uncomfortable. Um, and then it, they're just like, like, you have to get in it. Like you have to get in the wheelchair, sit in the wheelchair. And you're like, and I'm, and I'm like, guys, I really don't feel comfortable with this. Like this is kind of messed up. And they just kept, keep telling you to do it and do it and do it. And then that was the moment in my head where I was like, okay, these people don't really care about like, uh, <laughs> like how I feel or like that I'm uncomfortable. Like they just want to get what they want for their television show. And that's when I got super upset and I, I left the room crying and then they followed me and <laughs> I started yelling and I just, I just felt so, I felt like my trust was violated and um, it was really, it was a really, um, really changed my whole relationship with the show in that moment because I, I felt like like my trainers were awesome um the athletic training staff was awesome the rest of the cast the crew um like all fantastic people but whenever it came to um like the story of the show or like the filming of the show from that moment on i felt like i had no trust with them you know like i i never knew what they were going to ask me to do next um, like for the purposes of making the show. Um, so I would say I was always a little, um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Always a little, um, une uneased or uneasy when it came to, um, the process of the show after that. And, and when you have that happening, how, how do you keep going, man? Like, how do you like take us inside for like, what, what keeps you, is it just like, you know, you need to lose the weight. So in like that, that opportunity is there. Like what, what allows you to say, you know, 
okay, this is what's happening, and I just have to be okay with being a part of the like, being a part of that side of it. Like, how do you how do you keep yourself going? Yeah, so I mean, a part of it was definitely um, the weight loss, uh, the opportunity to lose the weight, but but in a weird way, I I never saw I never saw the show as my only way to lose weight. You know, there's people every day who go out there and make transformations on their own, who crush it in the gym, who do a great job. And I knew, I felt like if I ever left the ranch, if I ever went home, I felt like I could continue to do a good job on my own. I had, I had already lost 30 pounds between when I was, when I was 508 pounds. Um, and when I started, I started the show at 483. So I was already down uh, around 30 pounds, 25 pounds before I got to the ranch. Um, and I felt like I could keep that momentum going. Um, a huge carrot for me was the money. Um, and and that I got criticized a little bit for being honest about that. But the opportunity to win a quarter of a million dollars was huge to me. Um, I had. So the way it lined up with my with my life was I had just graduated with my master's degree and three weeks later was on The Biggest Loser. So I had no job. I had no apartment of my own to go back to. Uh, I didn't own a car. Uh, I, I was I was if I got eliminated from the show, I was literally going back to live in my parents basement. And with no job, no car, like I had nothing to fall back on. Um, so for me, it was the, and, and with a hundred grand in student loans, right? So it was like, um, my family, we, my dad's disabled. My mom's a nurse. We never had like, um, whole, we had everything we needed, but not much more than that. Right. And, uh, and so the, the opportunity to, bring home a quarter of a million dollars to my family, um, yeah, help, help pay off my student loans, my brother's loans, my sister's loans. Like I said, my brother just had his first, uh, his first son. Um, so it was very much like, yeah, money was a huge motivation. Winning was a huge motivation for me. And uh, they tried to, um, it, it, it almost uh, villainized me in a way. Because I, my my main motivation on the show, um, probably, I don't want to say wasn't weight loss because I was definitely there to lose weight, but I I was definitely there to win as well, and I definitely want the opportunity to bring home a quarter of a million dollars wasn't waiting for me when I got home. The opportunity to lose weight will always be there for me whether I'm on a weight loss show or not. So I tried to, you know, I was very much um, vocal, um, especially like in my interviews with story producers about how the money was a huge um, motivating factor for me. Well, I mean, let's be realistic. How could it not be? Like, as, as great as the opportunity is to get into that environment and have that opportunity to save your life, like you said, weight loss is possible with or without television. But you throw that television element in there and whether it's the money or the exposure or even just the opportunity to kind of get your name in front of some people that, you know, 
you might not want to get into the industry, but like at least then your name, you're like you you might be known in other areas. Then like there's opportunity there that, and that's human nature. Like, and I I would rather see someone be honest about that than have someone you know try to paint this picture and say that they're never you know it's never a part of the thought and process in their mind because. I think there probably are moments for people where it's not, you know, where it obviously is about, you know, you, you think about those moments where people go in with the doctor and they're they're told for the first time they have diabetes and like they're going to face these other issues or, you know, they craft those great moments where, you know, someone is being told that their health might prevent them from staying on the show, you know, things along those lines. Like, you know, in those moments that they might not be thinking about money, but at the end of the day, like keeping yourself going in that environment, like seems like you have to have a good, you know, that's a great external motivating Absolutely. factor. Like you said, it's a carrot. Like whether someone wants to say it is or not, that that's gotta be a carrot there for someone. Like, uh, so I, I, I appreciate you cut that honest perspective you have there. And you did fantastic on the show. Like you made it, you were a finalist and, and, you know, obviously sadly, you know, I'm not talking, I'm not able to sit here and say, you know, we're talking to someone <laughs> that took home, you know, the, the quarter of a million dollars, you know, who knows, you know, who knows what different directions things would have gone, but what was it like for you? Cause I, I you know, we've talked about the experience of the show. Like, what was it like for you when, when the show ended? Like what, what happened to, to Rob then? Uh, I was really popular and that was cool. Uh, <laughs> um, no, I came, uh, so the, the finale of the show was at the end of January. And, um, so I came home, uh, I came home at the end of January and my, my birthday is February 5th. So, um, my birthday was right around the corner and everyone was reaching out to me. You know, I was always a person who had like, um, a lot of acquaintances and um like a handful of really good friends right um but all of a sudden all those acquaintances wanted to be really good friends right so uh so i i i wanted to see everybody and uh but obviously didn't have the time to go everywhere and um you know see everybody so we organized a uh a bar crawl in boston for uh for my birthday and uh, it, we ended up like renting out a whole section of a hotel, and like there was like a hundred people, uh, just bar hopping with us. From I had I had people from New Jersey, uh, so I, I was born in or born in Brooklyn, grew up in New Jersey, um, went to college in Mass, and it was mostly my my college buddies that came out to see me. But I had people that I hadn't talked to in in ten years from uh from like high school in New Jersey come up to Boston for this one night bar crawl like people I haven't talked to in decades and um it was all like super flattering um and super super overwhelming um uh, like girls who didn't like pay me any attention were now like flirting with me and like the the uh the sense of like uh like a different lifestyle that came along with like weight loss and a little bit of a little bit of television was crazy i didn't consider myself like a a celebrity or like a famous person or anything like that but other people sure did and that was a pretty cool feeling for a while 
Um, I got to do, so, um, like I told you earlier, I, I work in higher education, so I have a lot of, um, a lot of connections in like the res life student, uh, student activities, um, arena. So I got booked to do, uh, like speaking engagements at, um, at different schools, different universities. Um, so while I was unemployed, I made a little bit of money doing that and, um, thought that I could, um, possibly build that into a, into a larger business or something. Um, but then once you start putting the weight back on, you don't feel like you can talk about that anymore, you know, and, and the friends go away and people start asking questions and, and you feel like everything you worked for just dissolves away. Like I actually, um, so when I got back, I got uh, NASM certified um, as a personal trainer. Um, I started working as a personal trainer. Uh, but it gets to a point where, like, when you're more obese than your clients, where you don't feel like you can keep doing this, you know, and you don't feel like you're um, you're questioning everything about yourself. So once I came back and started, it was it was awesome when I came back. It was it was. Like for the first time in my life, I felt like, uh, like a cool kid, if that makes sense. Like a popular kid, like, uh, like people wanted to be around me and, uh, and then you start putting the weight back on slowly, but surely. And then you turn around and everything that was there is gone. Right. So that was a really hard process to go through. And, and that's kind of the, it's funny because like I, I, I mentioned in the intro that we have these kind of touchstones in both of our journeys that are similar. And obviously I was never on a television show. Um, but one, you know, we share higher education. You know, I also worked in, in Res Life, so, so I think that's a neat connection that we have. But I think the bigger connection that that you and I share, man, is this having lost all of our weight as publicly, you know, as as possible. You know, you obviously did it in front of millions of eyes. I did it in front of hundreds and thousands, you know, hundreds of, of people, maybe thousands. I had, a, I had, I had a Facebook page, you know, nothing that exciting, but you know, I lost, I lost all the weight and put it back on. And I know what my experience was like. And I can only imagine like what it was like, like, like you said, to kind of taste a little bit of that relative stardom, you know, that, that celebrity, have that local, you know, that celebrity piece going for you. And then to be in that place of the weight coming back on, like, what did you, I'm just curious, like, was it something that like you felt was out of control for you or was it like you just were, were, were fighting it and it just, it was still coming? Like, what was that? What was it, the regain experience like for you? Like let people, cause I, I think there's, there are people that, that go on weight loss journeys and say, oh, you know, yeah, yo-yo with that 20 or 30 pounds. Like, you know, when we're talking about what, what, what I went through and what you went through, we're, we're talking about a lot more than 30 pounds coming back. Yeah. You know, you're talking about more than you, more than you were initially coming back. Like t- take, take people in, inside of what, what those years are like. Yeah. So, I mean, it, for me, it started right away just with, uh, reintroducing, uh, carbs. Right. So, um, uh, between the, between the finale and me. Um, I went home to my dad's house in New Jersey afterwards. Um, it was probably like a, a four day process where I started, um, like still counting calories, but eating whatever I wanted 
within my calorie limit, right? So if my calorie, uh, my calorie goal for the day was like 2,300 calories, I could still have like a slice of pizza or I could still have a sandwich or as long as I was under my caloric um, goal, um, I felt like I was still doing, um, I was doing more like real life eating if that makes sense. Um, so I, I started reintroducing carbohydrates after the finale. And by the time I got home to my dad's house, three days later, I had gone from like 255 was my final weigh in to 300 pounds in three days. Oh, wow. Um, so it was just like my, uh, my entire body was swollen um, I was retaining water like crazy. Um, I I called the doctors from the show and I was like, guys, what the hell is going on? Um, like I was I was terrified. Um, and uh, and so they asked, like, like, what dietary changes have you made? Like, what's going on? And I told them I started eating carbs again. And they were like, all right, well, cut the carbs out again and see if it goes down. And uh, so I cut the carbs out again, and I went back down to like 275, um, and stayed there for a little while. Um, so, and then after that, like you go through, you go through the process of like trying to figure out what works at home for you, right? And you start, you start to realize that that in a way, everybody's body who leaves the biggest loser and everybody's a generalization of course but but if you are working out 10 12 14 16 hours a day right and then you come back to the real world where you go to the gym five days a week right for for two hours at a time your body is still burning significantly less calories than it's been trained to do for the last eight months. Right. So, so on the ranch, I would work, I would work out, let's say, let's say I did an average of eight hours a day. Right. By when I first started the show, if I did eight hours of working out a day, my caloric burn would be like 7,000 calories a day when I was 500 pounds, right? By, by the end of the show, if I was, my body was so efficient that I would work out for eight hours a day and I'd still only, um, I'd still only burn like 3,500 calories a day, right? So you get to a place where like your, your body is so efficient, um, that the real world is almost not sustainable. So if I was burning 3,500 working out eight hours a day and now cutting that down to an hour a day, right? I was only burning maybe 1,700 calories when I got back, right? So if you think about it like that, so you're when you're so used to working out at the level we are on the ranch when we come home that level of caloric burn is no longer sustainable right but in the process of that your body becomes so efficient 
using calories so efficiently that a normal 2000 calorie diet working out five days a week is not a recipe for you to even sustain, right? You have to, you have to figure out either, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to eat. I don't, I, I never figured it out, but maybe I have to eat like 800 calories a day and work out three hours a day just to stay at 275. Right. Um, and I, I never, I never got to a place where I felt like I, um, I was sustaining anymore. Every month was okay. 20 pounds this month, 10 pounds this month. Um, even though I was still sticking to that 2000 calorie five day, five days a week working out regimen. Right. Um, and so then after, after I hit the 400 pound market again, it was probably a, a year since I've been home. Um, once I, and a year of working out every day and still gaining weight. Um, after I hit that 400 pound mark, I think I just gave up and I said, well, this is it. Like this is, I can't fight genetics or I can't fight my metabolism or whatever it was. And, uh, and I stopped working out. I stopped eating right. Um, and I just gave up again. And, uh, and that led me to the point where I was, you know, back over 500. And let's be realistic. Like there, I mean, there have been some pretty popular studies that have come out, you know, the past couple of years that looked at people that went on the show, you know, in terms of their metabolic rates after, and you're right. Like the, how you, what you would need to do to sustain the, the, what you did to lose the weight uh, in that environment is, is just not realistic. Like, you know, let's, let's be realistic. Like, so say you would figure it out, you know, okay, if I work out six hours a day and I eat 800 calories a day, I can hold on to this weight where I am. What, how do you live that life? Like, how do you, how do you, how do you actually do that? So I, I think it makes, you know, as, as scary as it is for some people, and, and I'm sure there are probably some people like, mostly people that haven't gone through weight loss struggles that look at, you know, they see those articles come up on the internet about, you know, where are they, you know, biggest loser, where are they now? And, you know, this, you know, this person and that person talking about weight gain. And there are people that immediately are going to think, oh, well, they just gave up immediately. But I think like what you're showing is like, it's not, you didn't, you didn't come home from the show and go full of binge mode. (laughs) You know, you didn't come home from the show and you, you know, you didn't you didn't come home from the show and go bump that crap. You know, I'm not going to the gym again. I'm not going to try. You know, like you you came home doing what you thought you needed to do, and in the face of that, still saw your weight climbing and still saw this happening. And I think it makes sense that, like, I I look at what I went through. Like, it's funny you talked about you know that putting on all that weight in four days. Like, I remember that the first weekend I went off my diet, you know, I decided I was done or went and went off my diet. I put on 30 pounds and within a month I had put on a hundred pounds. And a lot of that was clearly water. You know, I remember having such massive water gain that I could press my hand into my stomach and leave a handprint and, and, and being terrified. And honestly, like, you know, I avoided doctors like the plague back then, obviously, but I remember being like, if this doesn't go away, you know, in a couple of days, like I'm going to have to go to a doctor because clearly something is wrong. Like clearly something awful is happening. 
and it's incredible like what the body can do you know in you know how we can change and how we can mess up you know we think we're doing the right thing and then we, it turns out we're we're counterintuitively working against ourselves in the end like we we want to like i i think that's the missing piece for a lot of people on their weight loss journey like we all want that fast weight loss we all want to get there as quickly as possible we all want biggest loser results you know like that's that i mean you know it's you, that's a. I think that's not not a cliche now. Like it's almost a part of our vernacular. Is like you know you biggest loser to yourself. Like you 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 made that transformation so so rapidly. You know there's something amazing and powerful to doing that. But like you said, like then you come to the other side of it. You know when the the cameras turn off. You know the the story producers aren't there anymore poking and prodding, and you have to live your life and you have to live a life that you know that you're going to be able to maintain. And I. I honestly like I relate a lot to like what you were talking about, like how you were the trainer, you know, you had gotten the certification, you were working as a trainer and you were seeing your weight continue to go up. And then how do you keep facing people like I when I when I went through, you know, my weight loss journey back in like 2012, 2013, 2011, you know, I had this was back before Instagram and all those things existed. And I had a Facebook page and a, and a blog that people, I had a couple, I think I probably had, you know, five or 6,000 people following, which is, you know, nothing nowadays for people. But I, when I started to put the weight back on, you know, I, I kept kind of trying to post a little bit and share things for people, but I knew I was changing so quickly that if I posted a picture, it was going to cause people to freak out. Like I, so I, I stopped and I started you know, I started posting, you know, I need to take, I need a break to take care of myself and I need, you know, X, Y, and Z, you know, whatever I, whatever I, and I, I remember sitting and trying to word those posts like so specifically, cause I'm like, I just need, I need to make it sound like everything's okay, even though clearly everything isn't okay. And you kind of fall into that place of where it becomes easier to hide and which I think just ends up reinforcing, you know, like you were saying, like it, re, it can reinforce the eating because, now, when you, you when you take yourself out of that environment, you know it's it, now it's like what what's holding you back? You know, my public accountability went away, so it was easy. I think even easier for me to kind of go completely off the rails. Like, I think for you, like just hearing you talk about you know hitting four hundred again and being like, you know, I'm fighting, you know, I'm trying, and this is ha you know I'm back here. So why why war? You know why fight? Like it, it gets. You get exhausted. Like, I, I think you hit a point where it's exhaustion. And so I, I think it makes complete sense, you know, to me, at least having been through, you know, a regain myself, like to, to think, yeah, of course, he hit a point where he was going to give up. And, and you saw your weight, like you said, go go up higher than it was before. Like, what was it like for you? Like what, what brought you to get on the scale again? Like what brought you around? Like, I know you said your girlfriend was involved. Like, was it something you decided you needed to get back into together? Like where, what, what brought you back to thinking about, you know, trying again? Well, I think, uh, I think for anybody who ever gains weight, I think they always have it in the back of their mind that like, you know, I need to, I need to get back. I need to get in shape. I need to start doing something for me. Um, but it's always, I don't, I can't speak for everybody, but for me, it's always like, oh yeah, I'm going to start next Monday or, uh, oh yeah, like I'm going to start the first of the month or, and then that day comes around and you're like, well, I'm not quite ready yet. Um, and for me, 
um, it really was, um, like my girlfriend and I talking about like our future, um, and like figuring out what, what that was going to look like and talk about marriage or kids or, uh, like our first house or, and thinking about all those things, um, and thinking about how my health would affect that. And in like a, in a really serious, in a really serious way, like I don't, you know, sort of like how I spoke to you about, um, uh, my grandfather and how like my biggest fear is being a burden, um, to somebody else later in life because I don't have my own health in hand. Um, I have a really hard time imagining getting married to someone when I don't have my health in hand. You know, I, it feels very selfish to me to, uh, get married to someone and, uh, burden them with the repercussions of my life choices. Right. Um, so if, if I'm not going, going to do what I can right now to better myself and put myself in a better situation, what right do I have to ask for your help dealing with it later? Um, so, so in my head, it's it, a big part of it was like, before I get married, before I, before I ask somebody to sign up to be with this for the rest of their lives, um, I have to first get a grip on it myself and make sure that I can be the best husband to my wife, the best dad to my kids, the best provider I can be. Um, and, and I know a big part of that is going to be getting myself healthy. Um, another part of it, like more on the fun side of it is that, um, my girlfriend works in fashion uh, or in the fashion industry. And, um, she was always, um, her and her mom would sit at the dinner table and talk about these, uh, these big and tall male models and how handsome they were. And like, and I'd be sitting at the table with them and like, come on guys, are you serious? Like, um, uh, and like, and, and my girlfriend always said like, Rob, you're really handsome too. Like, like you're just not sample size. Like you, um, uh, like if you were, if you were a two X, like you could do big and tall modeling too. So like the fun, the fun aspect of it was always like, oh, well maybe I'll get down to a two X and we'll see if like, if I can actually do, uh, like some big and tall modeling. I always thought to myself that like, uh, like what a, what a cool story it would be for like a, uh, for a, a little fat kid who always like got bullied or didn't like himself or was never proud of the way he looked, um, to then be a, uh, a model, like putting on, um, a company's clothes. I always thought that would be a, a pretty cool s story arc. So in the back of my mind, there's always this little, like, well, you know, that's, you know, that's the carrot that's dangling out there is like, oh, well, maybe if I get down to big and tall sample size, I can, uh, I, I can be in a target ad and, uh, and, and make my, make my girl proud of me. So we'll, uh, we'll see what happens there. Rob, I, I think you hit on a really good point, like that more people, well, let's, cause let's be realistic. Like 
if health motivation, like the fear of dying and getting sick and diabetes and all of those problems were enough to make people change um, their weight and their dietary habits, there wouldn't be as many morbidly obese people in this country as there are right now. Right. Absolutely. Like, like, like we would we would see it, people being able to more easily turn it around with that motivation, which I think speaks a lot to the problems that people are dealing with, you know, and the challenges of weight loss, because you know, shouldn't dying be enough to convince us to change? But for many of us, it's not. And like you talked about, you know, the modeling you being that extra carrot for you. Like, I think for me, a big one is is related to travel and being able to travel easily. And I've always wanted to go to Europe. I've always wanted to like take a transatlantic flight. But, you know, a 12 to 14 hour flight, you know, worrying about seat fit and getting into a bathroom, like just the sheer number of, of domestic flight issues I've had is is overwhelming and anxiety inducing enough. Like I. Oh, it's terrifying. Like I, oh, like I think it's a big like I, I think sometimes people don't think about like the sheer amount of planning you have that has to go into thinking about those things like. I would look at like even just going somewhere like Florida, you know, going to Disney World, that's something I love doing. And I knew I I once I got there, you know, I have a scooter rental, you know, I'd be I'd be I'd be good to go once I got there. But getting there, the anxiety of what airport am I going to fly through, you know, is there going to be a way for me to get to the gate easily? Like I had many 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 experiences when I was over 500 pounds where not only could I not walk to the gate? Like I would need to, you know, get a, a porter with a wheelchair to help move me through the airport, like just so I could get through everything. Cause I couldn't stand long enough for the security line even. And I remember one. I remember one time in Orlando, like they had brought the wheelchair and, and it wasn't the special heavy duty wheelchair. It looked like a normal one, but the, the, the porter kept nodding his head and saying it was, it was. So I was like, okay, let's spin the wheel and see what happens. <laughs> and about, about halfway from the gate to the exit, um, the a wheel broke off the chair. Oh my and, goodness! And we were not—we were actually in a part of like one of those like tunnel parts of an airport where there wasn't, you know, any easy access to seating or there wasn't anything right there. And basically, the porter was like, "I need to go get another chair," and he ran off and left me sitting in this broken wheelchair in the airport. And I Jeez. literally was like. I was like, this is this is my life. And at first, to be honest with you, I laughed a little bit because like if you, if you I think if you don't laugh in those situations, you, to, you, can right. get, you, you, you can get overwhelmed by what's really happening. But I also was very aware at that point of what I was doing, like someone was having to push me through an airport because I couldn't stop eating, you know, like that just weighed really, really heavily on me. But it wasn't enough you know, to, to move me to change at that point. Like I think finding that motivation to get back into it again is, is challenging, obviously. And you having gone through what you went through, you know, you, you lost your weight with the show, you put that weight back on, you saw it kind of climbing out of control and having that taken away from you, having that experience, you know, kind of holding it in your hands, that new life and losing it is an incredibly devastating blow that i know well oh. like i so knowing that you had you somehow found the strength again to get on the scale um is something that i just really honestly find admirable admirable man like i i, I don't think there, there are there are a lot of people that don't come back from something like that and you're fighting your way back and first before we get into kind of what you're doing now like 
I just want to know, like, what was it like for you to step on the scale and see a number higher than you had seen before? Like, what what was that moment like? To be honest, it it really didn't phase me. Um, I think, I think you get to a certain place where you realize that the number you see on the scale is just a number, and and if you're confident in your ability to to change that number, then you don't give that starting number so much power, if that makes sense. And I was finally at a place where I felt like I could start this journey again. So when I stepped on that scale, I didn't worry too much because I know I have the knowledge and the capabilities to get out there and move and eat right and shed this weight. That's a great point. Like we having been through it already, we know we can lose the weight. Right. Like I I think some people think you get trapped and and feel like there's no way out of it. Like you just feel like there's but you know you can do what you need to do. Like and obviously for you like you know what you did before didn't end up leading, you know, to the best results, so you needed to find a new path for yourself. So what what's going on for Rob now? So it's been a year, you know, we're, we've, we've come a year into your, you know, over a year into your new journey. Like, what are you doing now? That's different. Like at the very beginning of this episode, you talked about, you know, you wanted to come back to your weight loss from a, a more sustainable, livable and, and paced perspective. Like what's, what's different for Rob now? I think, I think one of the biggest things that is very contrary to um what i used to think earlier um is just the level of patience i have for myself and the level of forgiveness i have for myself um when i my whole life when i tried to lose weight i was very cold turkey and very um super strict and and the biggest problem was whenever i had a slip up whenever i uh, ate something I shouldn't. Whenever I had a a cheat day, um, I would beat myself up bad. And like one of, one of the biggest issues I've dealt with my whole life is like self hate and like getting mad at myself and disappointed in myself. And that just perpetuates more bad choices and more not caring about myself and more bad eating. Um, so throughout this journey, I've really given myself. Um, or I've really tried to like forgive myself and understand myself and find that balance between focused on losing weight and um and enjoying life, you know? So um like this past this past holiday season, right? I gave myself um like from essentially from like the week before Christmas to New Year's off right and i enjoyed the holiday i didn't go crazy but i definitely like enjoyed the holidays and you know had some of the cheesecake my aunt makes and like um enjoyed myself um and when i stepped back on the scale january 1st i was 20 pounds heavier than i was when i um when i left off right and old rob would have been so defeated by that and probably would have given up and 
um, like, and just continued to gain more weight, right? But I'm trying to have that attitude of forgiveness and that, um, and to take the power away from the number on the scale. And I saw I was 20 pounds heavier. I acknowledged that fact. And I just went back into the healthy routine, right? I got back in the gym. I got back into eating keto. And and slowly that weight has started coming off again, right? Since January 1st, I'm down another 15 pounds. So it, I see it much, much more now as like there's no... There's no start and stop. Um, this isn't, yeah, try, try to switch from the whole diet to lifestyle thing. Um, I'm going to be trying to do this the rest of my entire life, right? And I'm going to try to stay healthy the rest of my entire life. So if I gain 20 pounds over a month period because I let myself enjoy the holidays, I'm not going to beat myself up about that because I know. That's just going to make things worse for me. So I forgive myself. I acknowledge the fact that I ate what I ate. And then I just move on and look towards the future and get back on track. Because I know if I'm too hard on myself, I'll never get back on track. So um, I I definitely haven't lost the most weight um, this year. But I'm still down 70 pounds. And if I can lose another 70 pounds this year and another 70 pounds next year, I'll be at my goal weight. And if you tell me that it's going to take me three years to keep, to get to a place where I can keep my weight off sustainably for the rest of my life, then that's a commitment I'm more than willing to give. I love, I love that perspective, man. Like I I think it shows, you know, a maturation in your, your attitudes towards what you need to do to, you know, save yourself, because it's not just about racing to a finish line. It's about figuring out how this becomes your life forever. You know, how, especially knowing that, you know, a part of this is like you're, you're traveling on this road with your girlfriend. You know, she's on a, on a, on a journey herself. And you want to be on that journey together for many, many years. And to do that, it has to be something that's not just about racing to, you know, a wedding date or anything along those lines. Like, it's got to be about figuring out how do you present yourself, you know, as a, a healthy person forever? Because you're not that old. You're not as ancient as I am. Um, <laughs> you, you've got you've you've got a lot of time ahead of you, man. And I think having that that perspective shift is really important. And I I like honestly that when I, I so I asked the question about what's different for you now. Like you didn't immediately dive to what you were eating or what you were doing exercise wise. You know, you you went to that place of your mindset and where your head's at because I. I think for all of us, no matter what tools we end up using to lose weight, that piece has to be in line. Like we have to have that perspective. And I hope that people listening, you know, because I get it all the time. Like I get it from people, you know, I'm doing X, Y, and Z diet and I've only lost 10 pounds this week, or I've only lost seven pounds in two weeks. And, you know, I I immediately want to yell at them, like, slow down and take a deep breath and, and, you know, realize that you're you're making change for yourself that's going to go on for years. You know, it might take you years, especially people that start as heavy as we did. You know, you don't go from 500 pounds to 200 pounds in six months normally or in a, in a way that is <laughs> sustainably healthy. You know, we yeah, know that, you know, it. that's you, you know that, you know, <laughs> better than better than most other people out there. Like and I think that's an amazing thing, like a gift in a lot of ways, you know. 
because one, you know, let's let's all be very grateful and thankful that, you know, you survived your experience. You know, you lost the weight and put the weight back on and survived it. I feel that about myself. Like I have through working with doctors discovered I might have had a heart attack during that time. Like, wow. I mean, I definitely had a heart attack. Like when they've tried to pinpoint when it happened, like one of my doctors is convinced that it was during that time that I put all that weight back on rapidly. Like we're alive. You know, if we don't come out of those, these, these pieces of our journeys with lessons that change, not just who we are as people, but how we approach, you know, this, this whole aspect of our lives, then we'll have thrown that experience away for nothing. You know, like, and I think, I think that's really important. Like you, you know, as much as, you know, you and I, like we, we got to those points where we wanted to be and, and walked away from it, you know, whether it was, you know, within our control or not in our control, all of that can be debated to the end of time. Like we still have to walk away with a prize from what we did because the prize is learning more about ourselves as people and about how we need to approach these journeys going forward. And and I think for you, like that's really an amazing, amazing lesson that I, I hope you're conscious of that. I hope you realize that it's fantastic that you're able to put that perspective out there now and able to say, I did do X, Y, and Z before. And now, you know, I'm approaching it differently because it's, you know, it might take me three years, you know, to, to get to the point that I want to get to. But if you do that in a way that allows you to stay there forever, how much better is that for you in the end? Like, how incredible is that? And so let's, I, I, no, I don't, I, it sounded like you were going to say something. I don't want to cut you off, man. Oh, no, I was I was just going to say that it's, um, you know, I don't know if I would have that mindset if it wasn't for people like you on Instagram, right? Like, I'm not uh, not trying to pat you on the back or anything, but I was never an Instagram guy. I never liked posting pictures of myself, never, um, never had a personal Instagram, just wasn't even on it. Um, started making this weight loss Instagram. And like you were one of the first follows uh, that that I found, and I I really resonated with your story because I was able to see somebody who went through a similar journey to what I was on. You know, someone who lost all the weight, felt good, put it back on, and then you know you're obviously ahead of me in the journey. And to see someone who was inhale, got out, went back, and got out again, if I didn't know that there were other people who who have completed that journey, who are, who are on that same journey. I don't know if I would have the same, you know, maturing outlook as, as you said it, that I do now, you know? So just being able to like connect with people on Instagram and, and make that little like support system around me, uh, that, like it can't be underestimated how, how huge, um, being able to resonate with other people and being part of a, a weight loss community has really um, made this journey so much more sustainable and accountable and, uh, and, and realistic, you know, just to, to fill yourself with hope that, that you see people achieving on Instagram every day that, that you can do the same, same sort of thing. So thank you for always sharing your journey. And uh, really, I, you know, I, I just really appreciate it. Well, thanks, man. Like, I honestly, like, I, I really appreciate that as well. And I, I think that's an important part of why I've tried to stay open once I got back into my journey, like wanted to wanted people to see, 
you know, what I was going to go through and, and what, what is possible. And I, I honestly have no doubts from like listening to you talk that like, you've got the right perspective you need to, to get the success you want to get to. And I think sharing our experiences for each other, like is something that just really, you know, I don't, I don't think until we start doing it, we see the impact that it has on other people. Like the, the sheer number of people that I hear from that t tell me that they went through a weight loss journey and they regained all the weight and more, and now they don't, you know, can they do it again? And how do they approach that? And they, but seeing someone do it gives them a little bit of hope, you know, makes any, makes any of the crap that I've gone through worth it. Like, and, and drives me like, I, I, I sometimes have people say like, do you feel like you're too accountable to Instagram? Like, you know, if Instagram went away, like, would you still have the same motivation or do you feel like you owe people too much? Like, you know, do you feel like, you know, it's a burden to owe people, you know, your journey. And I, I don't like for me, like, I, I think sharing our experiences just helps one, it, it, it's the only thing that's gotten me through, like having people there to remind me of like why I'm doing this and, you know, reach out to like I have days like as much as I share the good and the bad, you know, we all have those days where you just don't want to you don't want to look you don't you don't want to look at yourself. You don't want to look at what you're doing. You don't think what you're doing is possible anymore. Like you feel like you're going to lose again. You know, I've had those fear moments. Even recently, I've had those fear moments. And then I open my DMs and I see a message from someone that says, you know, thank you. You know, because I see what you're doing, I feel like I have hope. And it reminds me, you know, because it's so easy to get trapped in our own heads. You know, those moments remind me, those moments remind me of, of what I'm actually doing and how far I've actually come. And, you know, even one of my, the, the friend that has challenged me to this fast, this silly 72, 72 hour fast from Instagram and from my nitro coffee and from food that I'm doing this weekend. Um, you know, we were talking about you know, just kind of where we're at and different things physically and how far we've come. And he's like, I re he goes, I remember a year ago, you were afraid to walk to the gym because you weren't sure you could do that walk. He goes, and now you're doing it when it's 12 degrees out, you know, bundled up in the cold. Like, you know, think about that. Like, think about, you know, we, it's easy to lose perspective, especially when we've got long journeys ahead of us. So I think having the ability to stop and take those moments and reflect is really important. And I do, I think using a tool like Instagram is something that's really great. So like, I know, like, when I, I've seen you out there posting and seen that you, you know, you're kind of building that up. Like, I, I think I don't think I can overstate how important sometimes that accountability to ourselves can be just using finding a tool like that. So whether it's as public as, as Instagram, or it's a journal or whatever it is, like, finding a way to allow yourself then to have perspective, because you can like, it's something you can do now. And I know I can do, you can scroll back a year and see where you were a year ago, or, or just hit that archive button. And it gives you a memory, you know, of where you were at. And like, I, I hit that archive button a couple times a week. And I'm like, wow, like, I don't feel like I've changed. I, I don't feel like I've changed that much in the past year, like physically, but I can look at it and I can see it and it, it can blow you away. Like it can, it can give you that like little bit of like push. And, and so I, I think seeing that is, is something that's just really, really great. So I appreciate that feedback, man. And, and I'm glad to be sharing your experience and story with the people that are listening here today. And, and I hope more people will, you know, reach out to your to your account and follow you and find you and talk to you about what you've been through and what they've been through. Like, I just think that's a great part.
a great side effect of these journeys is oh, those connections that we can build. Because like, think about it, like, you know, if we didn't go through, you know, would you and I even have connected or resonated with each other if we didn't have some of those similar experiences? Like, I, I just think that's fantastic. That's like a really, really awesome side effect of all of this. And so one of the things that you, you dropped a K word earlier um, when you were talking about, you know, coming back from the <laughs> holiday, um, you dropped. That's another thing we share is the keto side of things. Like I know just from talking to you that like it wasn't keto wasn't necessarily where you were headed when you were first heading back onto your journey, but it was something your girlfriend brought into play and you saw what she was doing with it and decided to give it a try for yourself. So what's that like for you? Yeah, it, you know, keto in uh, like in name and practice makes no rational sense in my head. Like uh, when you first hear about it, you know, it, we've all been so conditioned to um to believe that eating fat makes you fat and that um uh, and that you want fat free things and you want uh reduced calorie low calorie things um and while I'm still a believer that you know I still track my calories and everything um but being on the uh being on the keto diet has just given me a a guide in a sense um or a, or a plan to follow that I've been successful with. And I think it, you mentioned it earlier that there's a number of different ways to lose weight, right? I'm not going to say that, that keto is right for everyone or that keto is the only way you can lose weight because I don't believe that to be true. All I know is that so far keto has worked for me, right? And that's, um, and that's important that I've found something that works for me. It, you, you out there might not be a keto person. You might want to do a, a whole 30 or you might just want to count your calories or there's a million ways to skin a cat, right? But this way has worked for me and I find it enjoyable. Um, I still get to, I still feel like there's um, options. Uh, when I go out to eat, I don't have to feel like... Uh, um, like abnormal or anything or weird, like, like I need to order something off a weird menu or I can always just get a burger without a bun and, and feel good. You know, like I can always find something that I can eat. Um, I can always still, I still find that I enjoy eating and enjoy my food. Um, I don't feel like it was definitely hard, um, at first to kick those sugar cravings, those carb cravings, that sort of thing. Um, but, uh, but once you get over that initial, like, uh, sort of two week getting into ketosis period and, um, getting over the keto flu and all that fun stuff. Um, uh, once you get over that and those cravings subside, um, I find that it's been really sustainable. Well, that's awesome to hear, man. And you know, you know, I love keto, but I also very much We'll say a lot on this show, like you have to find the tool for you that's going to work best. Absolutely. Because you have you have to find what you can live with. And like, it's funny because I'll jump into posts on, there are some pretty big names out there that are anti-keto or against, you know, different, different diets. And I love, I love when they post things about keto, seeing what people are saying. And like the number one thing that people say all the time is, well, you know, keto is great, but it's so unsustainable. There's no way I could ever sustain it. And I would say to those people, you're right. For you, it's not sustainable because you can't see it as sustainable. 
But if it's something that you're you're getting some success from and you, it makes you feel good and it's giving you good results and it is something you can see yourself doing, what makes it unsustainable? Like what make you know, well, I think what makes a diet unsustainable ends up being attitude. Like I, I think it I think almost any diet could be sustainable as wild and wacky as so many of them are, if it's something you feel like you could live with forever. Because like realistically, when you came out of the biggest loser, if you could have sustained working out six hours a day and eating 800, 900 calories, that could have been sustainable for you if it's something you could have if it's something you could have lived with. So I think it's the same thing with keto at the end of the day. Like it doesn't it doesn't mean that for every person it's perfect. It doesn't mean for every person it's great. But I also know for me, like I've done other diets, you know, I've done Weight Watchers. I've done just basic calorie counting. I've even done, done just general low carb. And I haven't found the same, you know, effect on my satiety and on my cravings and the, the tools I needed to get myself to the point that I'm at in my journey. And so I don't think finding I, I that's what I want people to take away from you. Even you and I talking about keto is finding the right tool for yourself is the most important. And don't be afraid to try something different. Like you said, that like that on paper sounds weird and doesn't sound like it's something that you don't even know how you'll feel doing. Don't be afraid to try something if it seems like there's a part of it that resonates for you. Like if there's something that speaks out to you, like try it, you know, and you might find it doesn't work or you might find you don't like how you feel like it's OK. And that that goes back to like you were saying about this being a journey that doesn't end, because I think if we're looking for quick fixes, yes, then we throw away diets and we throw away our success and we throw away our possibilities and our opportunities. But if we're seeing this as the idea that we're on this journey to build a sustainable life, then why not try different things to find what is going to work best for you in the end? Like, what what can you live with in the end? Like, you determine that. No one else does. No one else determines for you whether something is sustainable. You do. And I, I just think that, like, I, it sounds great to me that, you know, one, that you're finding something that's working for you right now. But I also feel like if you hit a point where you feel like, you know, isn't sustainable that you're not going to give up that you, you're going to look to another tool, you're going to look to another avenue, you know, to because you because you, you know, the possibility of, of hitting your success is still there, no matter what way you're getting there. That's just really fantastic to hear, man. So we you and we've been talking for a long time, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to eat up your entire Saturday. And of course, I'm going to start using food words because I'm fasting. Um, <laughs> but I, I'd like to know, like, so Rob, like, well, one thing we haven't really talked about too much, you know, I'd love to touch on for a minute is like, you're a higher ed guy, you're a res life guy. I was a res life guy for years. You know, I worked for over 10 years in residence life and student activities. I was, a, I was a hall director in the same building for 10 years. Like I, you know, you I, you were part of the institution. <laughs> oh yeah. I was like, I <laughs> literally, uh, well, Especially literally, because I left that job because I was too big to do it. Like, you know what it's yeah. like being a res life and having to respond to emergencies. And the sheer number of times that the EMTs would come to an alcohol poisoning incident and ask me if I needed help when I was arriving on scene um, made gave me a, the sign that maybe I wasn't in the right line of work anymore. Like, maybe I should yeah. at least try to get get out of the field and get into the office or something along those lines. Like, um, but so you're that you're a higher ed guy. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's interesting to see how that, um, how like the weight loss or how like the prioritizing oneself and working in higher ed, um, can sometimes conflict 
And that's something that I've thought about. Yeah, that's something I've thought about since I've um, gotten back from the show and, and re-entered uh, student affairs. Is when I was when I was younger before the show, um, all of my focus was on my students. You know, when you work in higher education, you every day you're helping a number of different students figure something out, right? Whether it's counseling a student in your office. Um, about their future career or something that's going on at home or just trying to get them to to the cafeteria to get new meal points, right? Like there's there's always something you're trying to help someone else do. And that in those instances, it's super easy to fill your life with helping others so that you don't have to worry about helping yourself, right? And and throughout this recent uh this recent journey uh it you have to find those times where no i'm sorry i'm not staying here at 8 p.m. to help you do this right now i have to go to the gym right you have to figure out like you have to prioritize your self care your self time um so that so that you can continue to grow and continue to be your best self. And I, I've found that that that's been one of the hardest parts of this journey is like, in some respects, I feel like I'm not as good at, at my job as I used to be because I care more about myself and in a way, less about my students. I have less time for my students. So there's that aspect of like, am I being selfish right now? by prioritizing myself am i doing what i should do in my job while prioritizing myself so it's always like um especially like as a hall director it, it's a 24 7 job you could get a call at four in the morning and you have to go deal with it you have to go address it um so like you can never really like turn the switch off or um like check out completely and just worry about you just have you time that doesn't exist in our world um so figuring out how to carve that out and be successful both um both career-wise and weight loss wise has been its own um conundrum within itself i'm sure it is because i think about like because uh, for those people that aren't understanding, like when you, especially when you're a live-in professional in student affairs, you could literally hear a knock on your door at three o'clock in the morning, look out the peephole, and there's a crying student on the other side of your door. How do you go, how do you go back to bed and say, no, I need eight hours of sleep or I'm not going to be healthy. Right. Like <laughs> you, you want to, you want to take time to meal prep for yourself, but you're heading into like a big week. And there's 800 events going on and you're required to go to different things and you end up at a pizza party. Like there's so many different, there's so, there is so much that happens. Like, and I think it also comes into play in, in regular education for teachers as well. But if you, like, I remember going to higher ed conferences and just the sheer number of severely overweight higher ed professionals uh -huh. is, is kind of mind blowing. Like in terms of like the field. Like, I think it's something that we, like you said, like you nailed it, man. Like, I, I don't think I even need to talk about this for 45 minutes because you nailed the fact that like we, it's a field that 
historically has put too much emphasis on sacrifice of the individual for like the greater kind of the greater good of the students that taking care of yourself becomes a, a lesser priority. And I think if you were to sit down and I think every person who finds himself in that position were to go to their supervisor and say, are you okay with me prioritizing the health of my students over my own health? They would say, what are you talking about? Of course I'm not. Right. right. But I think, I think that the reality of the practice just starts to come into play. And so I almost think there's like a niche there for like trying to help those people find balance, you know, helping, helping higher ed professionals and helping teachers find balance in their lives so they can take care of themselves when they're having to take care of other people is really important. Like I see it when I talk to people that work in medical, the medical field, like look at nurses, like how many people, you know, how many nurses deal with weight problems? So many, but, but they also, you know, they could be the nurse in a bariatric ward and still struggle with a weight problem themselves because of that selfless, you know, that, that, that human instinct to take care of other people before we take care of ourselves. So I think having that perspective is something that's really important. You know, I see it as really important for you. Like I know for me, I wasn't able to tackle any of my issues until I was out of the field because I was so wrapped up in that life. Like it was, it it was amazing to me. And I don't, I don't fault the field for that. Like, I think it was just my nature. Like, like, I think it's, it's our nature, like to want to put other people before ourselves. And I also think like for me, being, being a live-in professional in res life, became an enabling device like there was always food there was 100%. always snacks at events there was never weird for students to come in and bring me food like i built this world like i became known as the person that you could just drop like students would come home on like we were we were a suitcase college in a lot of ways you know students were all local and went home a lot of students went home on the weekends and they'd come back on sundays and be like my mom made these for you or my mom gave me this and i don't want this my parent like and I expected it. Like, I was like, oh, it's Sunday. I'm going to get cookies. Oh, it's Sunday. Who wants to order pizza? Like, who's, you know, who's around to do X, Y, and Z? Like, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing how you can build a, that life. Like, you can, you can be spending so much of your energy helping other people. And, but at the end of the day, you're working against yourself. And I, I think that's a, that's, a, that's a unique aspect of that. And I think in a way, obese people or overweight people or, People with any sort of um, issue that they're self-conscious about are attracted to the field of student affairs because it promotes such a safe, non-judgmental space. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, So you feel like, um, so there's no, nobody in, nobody in res life is ever going to um, bully me or shame me or they're very, everyone's very conscious about the fact that everybody's different and appreciate them for their differences. And while I, and while I, while I appreciate that, it also can be a bit of a insulating factor to the real world. Right. Um, Oh yeah. And so I think in a way, like we all, when we were students, when we had those, when we met those people who didn't judge us, who appreciated us for who we were, despite our weight, despite our, um, you know, faults, whatever that might be. When we met those people who didn't judge us, we said, we want to be just like those people. We want to, we want to live in that world. We want to work in that world. We want to provide that for other people. And, and so that you put, you put those two things together, right? Uh, Attracting, 
right? Obese people are tracking, attracting overweight people to the space and then putting them in an environment where self-care is hard to do, right? It's almost a, a recipe for disaster because they will, they have no incentive, um, or I shouldn't say they, we have no incentive, um, to, to really get out of it or, or little incentive to get out of it. And that's why, so like you said, I'm still, um, in a live on position and actually <laughs> just bought, uh, my girlfriend and I just bought our first house. So I'm living on while, uh, while helping to pay for, um, a new house. And it's like, I, I can't wait, um, to get, uh, a live off position. I, I love the field. But so many schools and institutions are doing like a two to three year limit on their um, live-in staff now because they know that the the burnout is real and the toll it takes on people is real. Um, so I'm I'm definitely eagerly searching for that uh, <laughs> that next live-off position just to get that better balance. And that's awesome to hear, man. Like I think that. Like I, as much as I loved what I did and how long I did it for, absolutely, I shouldn't have been in that position. I should not have been in that position that long, you know, but, but, you know, I think for me, I stayed in that position because I had built that life that support, like, I didn't know as a 540 pound man, what else I could do, you know, how, what, where else was I going to go? What else was I going to, you know, like there was, you know, I had to. we don't have time to go into my issues. Like there's, <laughs> you know, I, 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 I feel we're like not, you and I can talk not, all day. <laughs> oh, I know I do. I feel like, I feel like we. But I honestly, like, I think it would be almost fun to do a follow-up, you know, eventually, you know, to, to spend some time diving deeper into just the higher ed side of things, like, in terms of, like, health issues on that side. Like, that would be really interesting, I think, for people. But, um, Rob, I want to, so you're talking about you got you bought a house and, you know, you're looking, you know, possibly to make some changes job-wise down the road. Like, what comes next for you? Like, where, where are the, what are the challenges ahead for you this year? Like, what do you see coming forward for you? Like, where does your journey go from here? I just want to be consistent. You know, that's, uh, that's the name of the game. Uh, like I said, I'm trying to be very patient with myself. So uh, the number one goal is just consistency, um, to stay on track, to, to not get too high or too low and just, uh, just be sustainable in my weight loss, continue to, um, continue to focus on my health, my calorie intake, my macros, um, and just be, just be happy and just be proud of taking it one day at a time and make, making sure that each day is as good as the day before. Um, and, and that will lead to, uh, to, a, a, a happy outcome at the end of the year. Um, we, we've got some big stuff going on outside of that. Like I'd love to find that, you know, I've been, I've been in higher ed now in, in some roller capacity for, for about 10 years. So I'd love to find that, that next position, um, that new job. Um, I did a, uh, I did an open modeling casting call, um, <laughs> not too long ago. Uh, oh, nice. So uh, maybe I'll attend a couple more of those, see what happens down that road. Uh, but really like, I'm, I'm a pretty simple person. I just want to, uh, be a good boyfriend, be a good brother, be a good son. Um, continue to take care of myself and grow, uh, grow in my sense of self-love, if that makes sense. Like, uh, continue to appreciate myself and be proud of myself and, uh, 
and I'm pretty confident if I'm if I'm doing all those things that uh, life's going to turn out just fine. Uh, well, I I have no doubts that I'm confident that that you're headed in the right direction, man. And I, I'm really excited to be able to follow along and see what comes up next for you. Um, we're not we're not too far away from each other, so we are going to have to figure out getting together at some point. You yeah, know, in person. What's that? Uh, what's that restaurant outside Providence that has the the keto menu? I think we've both been there. Yeah, Blackie's Bulldog. Blackie's, yeah, Blackie's Tavern. Blackie's Tavern. Well, we'll have to we'll have to we'll have to we'll have to meet up at Blackie someday. That would be awesome, man. Definitely. Well, so Rob, I honestly I've really enjoyed our, our time talking together. I feel like we've covered a lot of ground today. Uh, is is there is there anything we haven't talked about yet that you wanted to make sure that that you brought up to the audience today? Uh, no, I think I'm in. Uh, I think I'm in a good place. Um, just once again, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Of course, man. Of course. And before we talk about how people can find you, there, I, I think they're going to want to. Uh, let's let's get into the Fat Guy Five and hit you with those five questions that I like to end every episode. Oh, here we go. Here we go. You ready? <laughs> so let's start. We're going to go. Question number one, Rob. Living or dead? Who is your favorite fat guy? Chris Farley, without a doubt, one hundred percent. I feel like that's. It. I I gotta. I think I'm gonna have to do like a casting call for this ep- for my show where I say. I want to talk to people who don't pick Chris Farley. Like <laughs> he's awesome, and he's and, and you y'all are right for picking him. But I'm just like, oh my, like I feel like it's we're just becoming we're becoming the Chris Farley show in a lot of ways, which I guess is a good thing. You know, he was he was epic. I think most fat guys throughout their lives use humor as a way to deflect from their weight. You know, um, so and I think. I think we, I know I can identify with like the pain that Chris went through behind the scenes. And for that reason, he will always be one of my favorite comedians because I feel like he, he went through a similar journey. Oh, for sure, man. For sure. Let's move on to question number two. Thinking back to your bigger days, Rob, what was your quintessential fat guy meal? Oh, <laughs> I I think this is what got me on the Biggest Loser was during the uh, auditions in uh, in California. They asked me that, and I said, "Oh, I'd I'd go to McDonald's and pick up a bag of burgers." And they were like, "I'm sorry, you'd pick up what? Oh, a bag of burgers? They're, what is that? Oh, you know, you go to McDonald's, you go to the dollar menu, and you say like, can I get three double cheeseburgers, two McChickens, a large fry, and a Diet Coke?'" And, and and I think that was uh, that was my go to for a long time was, you know, you get you have six bucks in your pocket and you got to figure out what to eat. You just go go that dollar menu. We become good at, at at spending, you know, spending every penny, you know, to get the most bang for our buck. So I think that <laughs> makes a lot of sense. Doubt, without a doubt. That makes a lot of sense, man. So uh, up next. So. I want to I want to get your answer to question number three. So, Rob, say there's someone listening to this show that's in the position that you were in or I was in, you know, who went through, you know, a massive weight loss transformation and put back every pound, put back more. And now they're sitting there thinking that they want to try again. What is your piece? Of, what is your number one piece of advice to that person? Uh, I, I think the first thing they have to be OK with doing it is talking about it. Um, and I know that that might seem like a, a lack of inactivity, but the, the amount of um, 
the amount of like shame or hiding or you'll never be able to succeed if you still if if you still hate yourself if you still are are scared to succeed if you're scared to go out there and try uh, so like you said before the first hurdle is mental so whether it's connecting with people on Instagram or going to see a counselor or just talking to a parent or a friend or a coworker um like being able to be out there and open and raw and authentic and truthful to yourself and to others um that'll put you in the in the mindset where you feel like okay I can start now and uh and I think that that's um that's a, a huge first important part of the journey I love it man I I I think you put that perfectly I think that's great and Question number four, what person, podcast, book, website, resource would you recommend to people that are looking for motivation? You know, that's a great question. Um, I, I follow all of those, all those things on Instagram and, you know, obviously your, your page is, is, is huge and I, I like, um, you know, all the all the fat guy fours i follow all those guys uh, they they seem like awesome guys and uh but i in a weird way i think i think you have to look in the mirror for motivation um and that you get the the strongest sense of motivation in in talk in sort of talking with yourself if that makes sense and self processing and uh I think if you can, your biggest sense of motivation is going to be what you did the day before and the, and the sense of pride that you can take away from what you're doing for yourself. And, and that's almost, it becomes like a snowball, right? And it, it starts as a a small snowball and starts rolling down the hill. And, you know, your first day you you wake up next day, you're super sore. You don't want to do it again, but then two months in you look back and you see your progress and 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 that momentum builds and that confidence builds and that motivation builds and then it becomes a a, a just a, an avalanche of belief that you're accumulating over time to the point where you don't need motivation anymore it becomes a transition between motivation to discipline right and it's no longer a matter of am I motivated to do this? It's am I disciplined to do this? Do I do I love myself enough to do this? Um, am I committed to myself and my health enough to do this? Um, and I think if you can answer all those questions for yourself in the affirmative, uh, you're going to be in a good place. And I, I think I think the first bit of motivation starts from within. I love it, man. That's perfect. I, I think that's fantastic. Final question, Rob, and you started to answer this a little bit already, but tell us, what is your one major goal outside of health and fitness that you have for the next year? Hmm. Uh, but probably find, um, find a better job. Um, you know, I, I love what I'm doing right now. Um, but as I sort of take that next step in my life, um, with my girlfriend, house, like looking at marriage and kids and all that thing, all, all those things down the line. Uh, you and I both know higher education is not the place you want to be if you want to get rich. So, uh, 
So to be able to make a bit more money, um, provide more for my family, um, and uh, sort of start building towards a uh, a more secure financial life, um, that's a huge goal for me uh, in 2020. There we go. And if the people listening, Rob, they want to see what happens for you weight loss wise and job wise over the next year, how do they find you, man? Yeah, so uh, I'm on. Uh, Facebook and Instagram, uh, Behemoth Tabron is my uh, is my handle. Um, I post way more on Instagram than I do on Facebook. Um, it's uh, Behemoth Tabron because in the in the male modeling world, uh, the big and tall models are called brawn models. Uh, so that's like that's how I came up with that name. My girlfriend helped me out with that one. Uh, but yeah, find me on Instagram or Facebook. Like I said, I'm on Instagram way more than Facebook nowadays. Um, but either way, you can shoot me a message uh, and I will uh, definitely get it back to you. Sounds fantastic, man. And I hope that everyone listening goes to find you on Instagram. And luckily, by the time this episode airs, I will also be back on Instagram and not <laughs> not shaking, not sitting in the dark, shaking, wondering what everyone's doing anymore. So I'll be able to catch up with you, you know, by the time this episode drops. Rob, I just really want to say thank you so much for for having the time to talk to me today. We 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 went into so many different areas that I think are going to be really fascinating for people. You know, you gave us a look behind the scenes of of your your journey on The Biggest Loser, and then also what it was like for you to come back from that experience and and head on the road again. So I just want to say, man, I'm really I'm really proud of of where you've come, and I'm excited to see where you where you go as these days continue. Thanks, man. I really appreciate that. And thanks for having me. Thanks for sharing your journey and, um, and connecting with me. It's, it's great to know that, uh, that you're not alone in this battle, you know? So, um, thanks again for having me. And, and I hope that, um, uh, others can listen to this and, and share in both of our journeys and, uh, and that they get uh, a little bit of hope and a little bit of momentum, uh, swinging their way. I have no doubts that this episode is not going to leave people hopeful for where they're headed, uh, at all, my man. So. Everyone out there listening, thanks so much for following, you know, along this episode. I'm your host, Gourmet. You can find me on Instagram at Gourmet underscore goes underscore keto. On Twitter at Gourmet Goes Keto. You can email the show at thefatguyforum at gmail.com. If you're listening on an Apple device, I would certainly love if you drop us a rating um, and a review just to help us, you know, get in front of some more people and share the show, you know, share it however you want to. Um, I'd really just appreciate that. So thanks again, my friends. Do something amazing to amaze yourself today because you are amazing people. And I just said the word amazing three times in one <laughs> sentence. So that's that's pretty amazing, I guess. Uh, but go out there and do something. Show yourself that you're, you're able of doing things. Heck, uh, I walked to the gym and it was 12 degrees this morning. And I didn't think I was going to actually go through with it. So I, I, I'm Good feeling you, pretty man. amazed myself today. And and I got Rob on I got Rob on the line and, and we, we got an amazing episode recorded. So. Go out there and do some things for yourselves. We'll see you next time on the Fat Guy Forum.